Okay, the reading is taken from John chapter 13, 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet." I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you all. Thank you, Cara. Let's pray, shall we, as we come to the word of God. Heavenly Father, we pray as we now come to the scriptures that you show us the truth about ourselves Show us the truth about Jesus, and may we leave here different, we pray. Amen. Well, our theme this evening is that Jesus shows us bold humility in an insecure world. Jesus shows us bold humility in an insecure world. His actions in this chapter, John 13, are a picture of humility. Jesus, the respected teacher and the Lord, gets up in the middle of a meal wraps a towel around his waist, fills a bowl of water, and takes a servant's roll. He makes his way around the table, going to his disciples one by one, and kneels down, washes their feet, and dries them. It's a surprising thing in a few ways. Firstly, it's not what we'd expect from the senior guy in the room, the teacher. It's not at the moment you would imagine either, while everyone is trying to eat their food. And it must have been pretty awkward. Most people don't like their own feet, do they? Um, Yet Jesus, sure, he designed and made everyone's feet, but surely not even Jesus wanted to touch like 12 other people's feet. If he wanted to express affection, you know, couldn't he maybe have just gone around and given everyone a little back rub? Or if he'd planned ahead, he could have done like a little bag of, you know, truffles or something on everyone's place. But what Jesus is doing here is more than just a thoughtful gesture. Everything about it is significant. The timing, the fact that he's washing feet of all things, even the fact that Judas is still present. Judas, the one who had already decided he was going to betray Jesus to death. Verse 1, we read, Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. 
Verse 3 tells us, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal. This is a bold, deliberate statement from Jesus. It's soon time for him to die, to rise from the dead, to return to heaven. So this moment is, if you like, the beginning of the final act of Jesus' earthly life. It's designed to show his friends, once and for all, what he is really about and what he is about to do. He's about to go to the cross, to his death. Jesus' humility in this little passage cuts against the grain of the whole of the rest of the world. Cuts against the grain of social expectations of his time, and it contradicts the outlook of our society today. This kind of humility is beyond unusual because it's bold and it's strong in a world that is full of insecurity and pride. Now, follow with me here in a minute because this is a distinction that's important for us to get. It's important to see that insecurity and pride are really two sides of the same coin. So follow my thinking here. We are tempted to think of insecurity and humility as being linked together. You know, you're humble, sort of meek and gentle, maybe probably because you're a bit down on yourself, a little bit feeble, whereas in our minds, pride and boldness would go together because, you know, maybe you're so confident that you can be a bit pushy and arrogant, that kind of thing, um, bolshy. I think that's a mix-up. Really, insecurity and pride are two sides of the same coin, and that coin is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Now, self-centeredness can look arrogant and pushy. It can. But it can also be quiet and fretful. And it's just simply two expressions of the same self-centeredness. And it's not happy, and it's not comfortable. So maybe you recognize this, that the world today says to us constantly, you do you. Be true to yourself. It's meant to inspire confidence in us, but I would imagine if you're like me, you begin to feel that those sort of they're platitudes. They don't inspire much confidence at all. When the world says, you do you to me, I think, well, <sighs> I've got all kinds of issues. <laughs> I've got weaknesses, I've got sins. If I'm true to myself, I'm embracing those things. And even if I just try to be true to like, the best bits of me, Am I, am I doing it well enough? Am I, am I trying hard enough? Honestly, I'm quite rarely being the best version of myself, whatever that may be. As much as we are told to love ourselves and trust ourselves, actually being self-centered does not feel like solid ground. Maybe you've noticed that in yourself. It doesn't feel like a strong, firm place to stand. Since the 1980s, probably, and the, the beginning of the self-esteem movement, we have been told, and we've told ourselves frantically, that we're good people with loads to give, and we're unique and special and all-round wonderful, and it's on our greetings cards and cushions and fridge magnets. But if we're honest, it often feels a little bit like living in denial. When we try to build our lives on ourselves, 
no matter the brave face we put on it, we quickly start to feel actually quite fragile and withdrawn. And we might have a love, love, love poster in the kitchen, and we might have a life coach or a mindfulness app or whatever, but most of us sense that in our life, not everything is going as it should. There are unfulfilled longings, there are unhealed hurts, there are unforgiven sins. And very often in the rush to cover our backs and hide our problems, we so often proudly climb over other people, not because we're strong, but because we're weak. We use and abuse other people, whether it's taking credit for someone else's work in front of the boss, maybe chucking a friend under the bus with some gossip to make ourselves look better, maybe boasting about our salary, our achievements, our abilities. We are naturally so far from the bold humility of Jesus. We are a weird cocktail of insecurity and pride. That is the world we all live in, and I suspect this evening we can all see it, and perhaps even see it in ourselves too. Now, the opposite side of that coin um, of self-centeredness, the, the complete opposite to that coin, the, the pride, the insecurity, is humility. And let's be really clear about this this evening. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's not being down on yourself, but just being less self-obsessed. And here it is in this passage. If you want to know what humility is, here it is in this passage, shown in Jesus, moving humility, self-effacing, serving others, stepping down from high position to serve. And Jesus says explicitly that this is the example he is setting for those who would follow him, that they would be different to the world. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, it doesn't mean we all have to wash people's feet. Thank you, Lord. But that the way of life of those who follow Jesus is like him to serve, to lay ourselves down, to be humble as he is, to opt out of the cut and thrust, the selfish power games, and be free from that insecurity that actually curls us on into ourselves and rather open up and humbly, freely serve others. And Jesus promises, verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. There is a blessing to living this way. Humility is the secret to a happy life. Imagine leaving behind the self-obsession that means comparison with other people, that means being protective and curved in on yourself, that means craving other people's approval, that means always sucking in, taking from other people. How much more blessed 
more happy, more liberating to be a humble, selfless, outward-focused person who boldly bubbles over all the time with kindness, with encouragement, always giving, never standoffish or threatening, who is a joy to be around and a joy to be. Jesus has shown us how it looks. Now, to those of you who are about to jump out of your seats and grab a bowl and towel, and you're thinking, okay, humility, let's do this. <laughs> let's go, I can do it. Pause. Just pause for a moment, because I want to tell you a story. It's quite a long story, so I'm rolling my sleeves up. Years ago, I was part of a worship team for a youth event. You know what's coming. There was a young lad who was desperate to be in the band. And week after week, he would beg the leader to let him come and play electric guitar. He'd show off the riffs he'd learnt. Um, he'd regale us with his knowledge of his gear and explain how his great ambition was to become famous as a worship leader. <laughs> he was pretty young, so he was still learning to play and frankly wasn't that great at guitar yet. And so every time we told him, sorry, you're not, not quite ready yet. And we put it one, to one side in our minds that um, his desperation to play maybe wasn't coming from the best place. One day, I told him that he could come to the rehearsal to try it out, to see how it went, to maybe learn some of the songs, but with no promises of anything. And he duly appeared with fresh guitar strings all, all, uh, all on with the, with the curly bits at the head, new plectrums, and I think also a brand new T-shirt, which actually later on in the youth group disco afterwards, he took off and spun around his head dancing with some girls. And... <laughs> The rehearsal wasn't great. Um, it's clear that he wasn't ready musically or in his character. And eventually, the guy who was leading worship said to him outright, you're not ready for this yet. And what you really need more than anything is some humility. He was a little bit upset not to make it that week. He thought he was going to be in the band that week. But he seems to take the message in okay, and he went off, and we were all kind of relieved. Until the next week... He showed up and very conspicuously tried to look humble. He volunteered to go into the kitchen to clear up. He helped with a tuck shop. He gathered all up the used cups and litter, kept asking if there was anything he could do for the worship leader. And it was almost as if he was doing all of this serving with like a big theatrical wink. I know what I'm supposed to do. Here I am doing it. Look how humble I'm being. We all know what happens next. I'm in the band. That's what he thought. Here was the issue. He had added humility to his arsenal of great personal qualities. He was now not only a phenomenal musician and a top cool guy, but also very notably and prominently humble. He turned up with humility in his repertoire, meant to be as impressive to us as the new guitar strings and the plectrum collection, to show off the final piece that qualified him for fame as a youth group worship leader. The perils of growing up in church. Um, I'm glad to say that this young man um, matured and grew over the years and his story didn't end like that. In the end, I think he got it. But the moral of the story is this. 
You cannot just pull Christ-like, bold humility out of natural human pride and insecurity. You cannot do it. Humility does not live and grow in that soil. You will not find it within yourself. All you'll come up with is a parody of humility, which can only mask rampant self-centeredness. Friends, the only way to be a humble person is to be made secure. The only way to be selfless and kind, to be empty of pride, to be less fragile, is to meet Jesus Christ and be made secure by him. It's to find a person who truly knows what you're like in every way and still kneels down to wash your feet and love you. You must meet him. Jesus says to Peter in verse 8, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter didn't want to have his feet washed by the Lord. It didn't seem right to him. Fell off to expose his feet at the table to the master. He'd see the toenails he'd forgotten to trim. He'd feel the rough skin. Have to put his fingers between the toes to wash the grit out. That was raw and vulnerable in front of the person whose approval he most craved. What a great picture. There is no other way to be truly secure and so freed from self-centered pride. We have to let Jesus in, like Peter did. And so Peter said, Lord, don't just wash my feet, but also my hands and my head as well. Will you allow Jesus to see you as you are? Will you allow Jesus into the fear, the insecurity, Will you let Jesus into the selfishness, the superiority? Will you confess to him that they're all really the same grimy self-centeredness? The master who serves is willing to wash you, to kneel down where you are this evening, whether you're full of arrogance and pride or insecurity and fear or a mix of it all, Jesus is willing to wash you clean. Look who it is who comes to serve. In this chapter, it is the eternal son of God, and it's not that he comes in crushing power, but in humility and kindness. He's not self-centered and arrogant, and he's not fragile, protective, and hesitant either. He knew that he'd come from God and was returning to God, and so strong in the love of his father, he freely gives himself. And he gives his love to those who can't give him anything in return. He gives to those who will always be in debt to him. He gives to people who aren't great to be around and associated with, but to people who are full of stupid pride and crippling insecurity. That's who he gives himself to. He even gives his love to Judas, the traitor. And so he will see you and know you and love you. And you will find true freedom and peace with Jesus. See, this foot washing moment is really 
pointing us to Jesus' death on the cross. That would come in just a few hours after this chapter. He said to his friends in verse 7, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. The meal they were sharing was the Passover meal. It recalled God's rescue from slavery and judgment back in Exodus, when an innocent lamb had died for each family. That meal, the meal they were eating on this night, was in itself a promise of Jesus, who would come to die as an innocent one to rescue his people from all slavery and all judgment. Verse 1 introduces this little story in these words. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that verse. He loved them to the end. Jesus loves his people to death. And this foot washing is a sign of it. And it's a sign of his cross. His self-giving love in action. If you want to know you're loved tonight, if you want to find security, stability in your life, come to the cross of Jesus. It is the only place bold humility can grow in us because in this proud and insecure world, it is the only place bold humility is revealed. That is where we find it. Because the God of self is crucified along with Jesus. I see there my great need that I'm sinful and broken and I need saving. But also there I see my great worth to God as the high and exalted one is brought low and made weak and suffers and dies, taking on himself all my selfishness, all my darkness, in amazing love for me, even me. Jesus shows us on the cross, he is the one we need, the one who truly knows what we're like in every way and still kneels down to wash you and love you by giving up his life for you. Tonight we've seen four people literally washed in the waters of baptism. They've gone down into the water like a death of themselves and they're raised up again. New life out of the water, coming up almost like from drowning, raised up to live in Jesus. In a, in a way a bit like Peter, they've said tonight, Lord, don't just wash my feet, but also my head and my hands. And if you've never done that before, if you've never come to Jesus, never asked him to wash you, to forgive and save and renew you, then why not do it tonight? Why not make tonight the night you come to him? In a world of insecurity and pride and selfishness and sin, even tonight you can look into the face of the one who perfectly loves you and will set you free from all of it. 